Ksuvas, Perik Tes, Mishnah Base, 9-2. This Mishnah discusses certain halachas regarding the payout of the Ksuba to the widow. Now to understand this, this Mishnah, a bit of background required. When um, the children inherit the estate, the heirs, so they have a mitzvah to settle all the debts of their father, which is not just the Ksuba. They could also have you know, other creditors, you know, uh, credit card payments that need to be paid. So they have a mitzvah to make all those payments. Now, as far as the Mishnah is concerned, and the Gemara afterwards, the halacha is that fixed assets, real assets, karka, those are mishubad, those are leaned to whatever creditors there are. If they have contracts, like, for example, the Ksuba holder or the credit card company, if they may, you know, if they have a, a written contract. So um, people who lent money to the now deceased man had to get repaid, but their lien is only on the on the karka, physical assets, real assets. Not physical, I should say, I should say real assets, like land. Whereas um, metal and chattels, movable objects, so those things, there isn't actually a strict lien on them, meaning there's a mitzvah on the heirs, the children, to pay back those debts. But unlike a fixed asset where the courts would force the sale and liquidation to obtain money to pay back those liabilities, those obligations to creditors and a wife. That's not the case when it comes to metaltalin, movable objects. According to the Mishnah and the Gemara thereafter, there would be no obligation. The kids have a mitzvah to repay back, um, but they could be bad kids and stay bad rich kids by keeping the money for themselves and not paying back the debts. Um, Halacha Lamaisa, already in the time of the Gaonim, after the Gemara was closed, um, there's a Takana, they said, the Gaonim said no, even the movable objects, metaltalin, are also mishubad. They're also leaned effectively and therefore must be um, liquidated in order to pay back any debts that the deceased had prior to the heirs keeping whatever they get as, a, as an inheritance. But Amish is not assuming that. Um, so now, how does it work? When there's a payment to be made, the claimant, the creditor at the credit card company, um, or the wife for that matter, um, would come to the children, the estate, and say, listen, I'm owed my 200 zuz. Um, here's the here's the contract, um, the ksuba, whatever it is. And um, and they would collect. But in order to collect, they also need to take a shavua. They need to swear that they hadn't been repaid already. In other words, it could be, for example, that, you know, the week before the father died, he realized he had credit card bills. So he, you know, he, he paid the credit card company back the money. He paid the person from whom he borrowed. He paid back his debts. He paid his wife the cash. He said, listen, my kids are no good nicks. They're not going to pay you. They know the rule is that the the movable objects are, uh, you know, are are uh, not lean to you. And they're not going to pay you. So I'm paying you cash now for my deathbed. So maybe they got paid out in cash and they still have the contract, the the the, the star, the IOU, and they're now presenting it to get paid, if you will, a second time. So the way we and there's no one to refute their claim because the person who repaid them is now dead. So therefore, of course, their claims are honored and they have, their contracts are binding on the children, but they have to, in addition to claim with the contract, they also have to swear a formal take a formal oath that they haven't been repaid. Okay, that's the backstory. So now. Our Mishnah says, Misha Mace, a person dies. Now, let's say, for example, this person, he leaves um, both liabilities and assets. He's got creditors, and he's also got some, meaning he owes some people money, but also he lent some people money, or he gave some people some things to hold on his behalf, so his assets also. But nothing in our picture here 
is considering real assets. So there's only movables, but there's no actual land. No one owns any land, and therefore nothing's going to be encumbered um, in the first place as far as the Mishnah is concerned. So the Mishnah says, Misha meis v'hiniach isha uvalchov v'yorshin. A fellow dies. He leaves all sorts of people who want his, you know, his empty out his bank account. First of all, you have his wife, and she's got a ksuba. She says, I want 200 zuz for my ksuba. Then he's got the balchov. He's got someone who lent him money, the credit card company. And they say, listen, we lent him 200 zuz. We want our 200 zuz. The Yorshin is also the heirs themselves, the kids. And they say, listen, we want that 200 zuz for ourselves. In addition, he also had certain assets. What are those assets? Vahayalo pikadon o milva biyadacherem. He also had some assets, either in the con- in the form of a picadona deposit, meaning he went to his neighbor and said, here I have this you know, Krugerrand, this gold coin, keep it safe for me. So his neighbor's holding the Krugerrand, the gold coin on his behalf. Oh, Milve, or he just loaned his next neighbor 200 zuz, let's say. So the neighbor has to repay it. Now, the kids haven't gotten their hands on that Krugerrand or on the repayment of the loan yet. So it, it would seem now they haven't, it's not yet considered an inheritance that's a metal that isn't, you know, uh, it's out of the claim, the legal demand of the of the creditor or of the wife. So the question is, so now the neighbor says, listen, I have this Krugerrand, I have this 200 zoos that I owe, I owed the deceased. Uh, to whom should I pay it? That's the question. So Rabbi Tarfan, Omer, Rabbi Tarfan is your archetypical liberal. And he says, listen, we got to try to right society's wrongs over here. And this these kids are no good nicks. And if we give them the money, they're going to be bad kids, they might be rich kids, they'll be bad kids, and they're not going to pay back their mom or their or their credit card company, even though they have a mitzvah to do so. And therefore, says Rabbi Tarfin, Rabbi Tarfin Omer, Yinasnu l'koshel shebehen. That loan should be repaid from the neighbor, or the Krugeran that was being held should be given back, not to the kids, but rather to the weakest of them, whoever's got the weakest claim. Since we have to try to help them out the most we can, whoever's got the weakest claim in court to get reimbursed, he's the one, or she's the one, who should get the money that's being held currently by the neighbor, um, that Picadon or that Milva. Now, who is the Koshal Shaben? Who is the weakest person in the story here? So that's actually Machlokas Amoraim. According to one approach in the Amoraim and the Gemara there, the weakest person is the person who has the contract with the latest date. In other words, let's say, for example, there's only 200 zoos to go around, and the Mrs. The Ksuba holder, the wife, says, listen, we, I was married in the year whatever, 5001 and the the credit card company says, we made the loan 200 zuz to the now deceased fellow, we made that loan, and here's the contract, it's dated, you know, 5002. So, since the wife's ksuba predates the IOU that was given to the credit card company, hers is from 5001, his is from 5002, so therefore, she has kadima, she has the first claim, and therefore she get paid. So therefore, According to this approach in the Amaraim, the Koshal Shaban, the weakest person, the person who has the weakest claim, was most likely to get stiffed and not get paid, is their credit card company, the Balchov, so they're the ones who should get paid. That's one approach. The other approach in the Amaraim is their Tarfan, who's the weak, to him, who's the weakest person. It's always going to be the widow. I mean, she can't be expected to hire lawyers and go investigate what other assets there are and make claims and fight in court. No. She's a widow. She's got the total, you know, weakest hand to be played here and therefore she's the one we have to protect so she's the one who should get the money directly from the person who's holding that IOU that was supposed to be paid back to the deceased person or that Krugerrand that Mashkon that whatever is being held it should go to her that's Ribbit Tarfin's approach 
Now Rabbi Kiva says, Rabbi Kiva Omer, a marach bedin. He says, listen, we're here to carry out letter of the law. We're a bezin. There's a question being put to us, who should get this money? So we can't just say, well, we feel bad for certain people who are going to get stiffed. Listen, we have to do what the din is. And the din is, so Rabbi Kiva, um, that... You should give it to the Yorshin. You should give it to the heirs. Because the Yorshin, the heirs, are muchzakim. They're the ones who are the default people to whom this should go. They're the ones who have like the strongest possession of it now, the strongest right to it now. Why? Because upon the moment of their father's death, like they are heirs, whereas the other people who have claims on the estate, they're not able to take anything until... They make a satisfactory oath, a shavua, to the heirs. So until that shavua happens, who's got the right upper hand? Who's the muhzak? Who's got? That's the heirs. So therefore, the heirs have the upper hand. They're the muhzakim, and therefore they're the ones by rights to whom this deposit, minashkon, or the loan should go, and that's who should get it. Now, in the halacha is like I'll call it Rabbi Akiva, as much as um, yes, indeed the. Mashkon, the, the the deposit or the collateral or the loan, whatever it is, um, those assets go back to the estate and the kids get them. But don't forget, because of the tekanas Onum, it doesn't really matter so much because now the claimants will come and they'll have, oh, they will have like a lien on the those loans or mashkon as well, so they'll get paid out. Um, or the bezin will force the heirs to pay them out uh, prior to the heirs keeping anything for themselves.